So good morning, everyone. It's good to have good to have Kate and JJ back. See, when JJ misses, like this is his this is his punishment for missing and going on vacation. He has to like carry the whole thing by himself. So uh, now Labor Day weekend, we got quite a few people that are on the road and traveling and, and getting out of town, spending a little extra time with family. And man, we hope everyone gets blessed by doing so. Uh, so if you are traveling and watching the live stream, uh, we miss you guys. Hope, hope to see you guys soon. Uh, uh, and those of you who, are, who, who braved the early dew of the morning, isn't it nice to have dew? Or is this leftover, uh, Howard, is this early sprinkler? We don't know. We'll just say it's nice dew. That just sounds much more poetic. Uh, those of you, rem some of you don't remember, we had the great sprinkler incident a few weeks ago. Uh, but uh, uh, it's, it's good, to, good to be out here and good to have a little bit cooler weather. Amen. And it got, it got roasty. Uh, I think I lost about, I'd lose about three pounds just preaching, sweating it out. I think, uh, but but uh, it's good to have, good to have cooler weather. So love you guys. Uh, I look forward to being able to, to meet like this, and looking forward to being able to meet in a little bit smaller groups. Although maybe a little bit different compared to what we used to. We'll still try to do social distance and and everything else. Uh, as we we just kind of navigate through this season of COVID and 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 uh, uh, speaking of, I I want to welcome Knock and her son over here uh, to my right, your left. I want to welcome her to service. She be being and I mentioned her because I want you all to kind of be in prayer for her. And when you're praying about those who are on the front line of dealing with COVID, she deals with COVID patients. She's in the medical field, deals with them every day and uh, doing an incredible job. So just pray that the Lord protects her and her family continually and that uh, she can minister to those who are in need uh, the worst uh, for, with, with medical help and, and uh, as we pray for everybody else who's on the front line of this battle. Amen. Hey, we're going to read once again from Genesis chapter 17. We're going to wrap up six weeks of talking about the covenant, the covenant uh, that we that, that God made to Abraham and how spiritually and metaphorically it applies to us through our covenant with Jesus Christ. Uh, Christ made a covenant with us. And uh, we, we learned several weeks ago that really that Christ was in the middle of this covenant that, that was made with Abraham uh, long before he was incarnate here on earth. Uh, he was the word of God. And the word of God came to Abraham and made a covenant with him. So uh, if you caught the stream last week, our live stream, live from the Dave cave, since we got rained out, uh, I, I talked about God's part of this covenant, that his part is a great partnership. He took Abram's name, combined his, the term that they would have used for him, Hashem, that, that they would have used for God, Hashem, and made it Abraham. And he took Sarai and combined it with his name, and it became Sarah. And so, you know, God took Abram, which means the uh, noble, exalted father, and made him Abraham, which means father of multitudes. He said, I'm going to, with my covenant with you, I'm going to expand you, Abraham. Uh, with Sarai, which means princess, or the potential for ruling, when he combined his name with her to make it Sarah, her name actually meant woman of nobility, woman of authority. In other words, a, a ruling woman. Uh, he takes, that's what he does in this covenant. He takes us from our potential and he multiplies you to make you a bigger blessing. 
to everyone around you and to your world and to your family and to, to your own life. Uh, so, so that's part of his covenant with us. And you remember, we've, we've been talking about the covenant. We, we enter into the covenant with God through faith, through faith. That's, it's that simple. Uh, so last week, we talked about God's part. This week, we'll talk about our part in the covenant, right? So everyone be, just, just take a big, deep breath, right? Because uh, to, to, to wrap up the covenant, I've got a very encouraging word about circumcision, Do you ever think you'd show up to church and hear that phrase? Hey, I want to encourage you with a word about circumcision today. So, but just bear with me, okay? We're mostly adults out here. We, we you know, we're going to handle this as maturely as I can, <laughs> which doesn't really give you a lot of give you a lot of hope, does it? So, Amen. It feels really weird to be mic'd up in the middle of the neighborhood and just say that word, circumcision. So, so yeah, any of you guys passing by, if y'all want to join us, we're going to be talking about circumcision today. I feel about as awkward as anything. Might as well get it out there. Genesis chapter 17, verse 9. Last week, God said, hey, this is, this is my part. I'm going to make a covenant with you, and I'm combining my, I'm making a partnership with you. I, and, and we have a partnership with God now via the Holy Spirit. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, he starts merging with us. We start thinking like him, talking like him, acting like him. He, and he multiplies us, right? This is our part. And this is, this is, this is the metaphor, and I will, I will explain how it applies to us. Trust me, okay? Genesis chapter 17, starting with verse 9. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male child in your generations, he who is born in your house or brought, bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant. He who was born in your house and he who was bought with your money must be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Hop down to verse 26. That very same day, Abraham was circumcised and his son Ishmael. And all the men of his house were born in the house uh, or brought, bought with money from a foreigner were circumcised with him. So uh, up until now, that, you know, that would have been quite a surprise for Abraham, I'm sure. Right up until now, God had been promising them now for 20 some odd years, follow me, trust me, give up all your familiar, familiar surroundings, let go of everything you think is secure in life and find your security in me. And I will take care of you. I will bless you. I will multiply you. I'll make you a great nation. I will give you land. I will give you children. I will give you heirs and descendants and I will be your God. And I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those. Who, I mean, it was like a whole package, right? A whole package. And now all of a sudden God says, hey, this is going to be the sign where it's going to remind you and anyone else that I am your God and that I am in covenant with you. Circumcision. And, you know, so Abraham has to go, huh? Whoo, okay, you know. 
And so they, they move forward with this. Now, let's delicately talk about this really quick, right? The term circumcision, the English word actually has a Latin root, right? The Latin root is this, circum, which means around. It's where we get circle. It's where we get circumference. Circumvent, right? Means around. The word, the Latin word would be circumcis. Cease means to cut. It's where we get scissors, cease, scissors, to cut. So the word literally means in the Latin to cut around. So this is what God, be aware of what God is asking Abraham. Because you remember, we've been studying the last few weeks. He just got through telling Abraham, look, no, you're going to have a child by your wife, Sarah. You're 99 years old. Your wife is 90 years old, but I'm telling you, you're going to have a child by Sarah. And so he basically, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to phrase this, but then I'm going to go back and dissect this phrase, right? He, he basically told Abram, you are to cut around ex, the excess flesh from a very personal private area of you that is going, it's a place that brings about life. And it's, about, it's a place that is about to bring about covenant life, a pro, covenant promise life, which would be his son uh, Isaac, right? That's what God does with us as a sign of his covenant, okay? God had Abraham cut. Everyone say cut. You remember in the, in the weeks past, we said that the, that the word covenant in Hebrew literally means to cut at the place of bleeding, Right? So Abraham, God had Abraham, everything that he had him do in the physical had a spiritual, uh, some, it was a physical sim, sim, symbolic gesture of what he was doing spiritually. He had Abraham cut or, or make, a, make a symbol of a covenant where things would be cut to the point of bleeding. Bleeding means blood equals life. So cut at the place of life. Cut away excess flesh. Everyone say flesh. Flesh is symbolic of carnality. Flesh is symbolic of your egoic nature. Uh, your, you, know, you are both flesh. You're both uh, carnal. You know, the, you, you, but at the same time, you're also spiritual. You have to deal with your humanity, but yet you have a spirit that longs to connect with God and to trust God. And that's really the fight that we have, isn't it? When we fight the fight of faith, as we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by spirit, not by flesh. So he's saying, cut away excess flesh from a very private, personal place that brings about life. Symbolically, what does that represent? It represents your heart. Where did Jesus say that we are to believe? We're not to believe in our head. He says that, he said, if you believe in your heart that whatsoever you ask in my name, you'll have, then you'll have. So when you have faith, you're to have faith in your heart, not your head. Your head is for the sake of processing. Your heart or your place of emotions is the, the place of life. It's the place of the birthplace of your desires, the birthplace of your, uh, uh, of your intentions, the birthplace of the visions that you have for life. It comes from your heart, uh, not your muscle, not your heart muscle, but 
you know, we all say it. If, if you get dumped in life, you know, if your girlfriend dumps you, you don't say, oh, she broke my mind. No, you say she broke my heart. Why? It's, it's the, the place of your emotion, where you feel, where you have passion. And so, so what God is, is basically showing us is to our part in this covenant is to remove excess flesh or carnality to cut around the excess flesh from our heart. In other words, our egoic desires, they are to become his desires. We are to die out to ourself to take on his desires, to come alive in him. That's what we do in Christ. That's what baptism represents. We die out to our old nature. We rise again to become something new in Christ. That's what this covenant is about. Ultimately, dying out to ourselves, becoming a new creature in him. All of a sudden, his desire, his will becomes our will. That's why people, all of a sudden, you, you know that they have a radical change in their life when they've come to Christ. Not because they start attending church all the time, but because you see all of a sudden there's a change in their lifestyle. They start loving people more. They start, they start giving people more. Uh, I remember um, uh, Steve Plumley. Steve Plumley was, was 74 years old when he gave his heart to the Lord. I was a teenager. He was one of the honoriest men I ever knew. His, his wife, Hilda Plumley, had attended our church for years. She was one of the mothers of the church, just a matriarch in, in our congregation. And he would get so mad. He got so mad that she would attend church. And sometimes she would go home from church and he would be drunk. And he'd be so mad that he would, he would beat her. He would hit her because he was so mad that she attended church. And every Sunday, she would, that was her prayer request. The Lord promised me that he would save my husband. And sure enough, one day he showed up and with tears running down his eyes, came up to the altar, gave his heart to the Lord at the end of service. And God changed that man. He used to be one of the most racist men I ever knew. And, and we, had a, we had a family, an African-American family that had a bunch of kids that attended the church and they had just had a, a, a toddler that was running around and he fell in love with that toddler. And, and man, every time he came into the church, he was, you know, he, he would buy her gifts, he'd bring her candy, he'd be everything else. That, that man was radically changed. How could you tell? It wasn't just because he attended church. All of a sudden, you could tell that there was some flesh that had been cut away from his heart, that his heart started reflecting Christ far more than it did his own, his own thoughts and his own wills. That's what circumcision is about. Matter of fact, the Bible says, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it is the wellspring of life. Out of your heart is the wellspring of life. Remember we said that God asked Abraham to cut excess flesh around a very intimate area that was going to help bring about life, help bring about Isaac. That's what he's doing with us. We are to remove excess egoic nature and desire. Why? Because our heart brings about life. It replicates, it duplicates. What is it that you are replicating today? Are you replicating Christ are you replicating your own will and desires? Jesus said to believe in your heart. It's the cradle of desire, intention, and passions. We are to remove or cut away excess flesh from our hearts. The place we are to have faith needs to operate according to the spirit and not according to flesh. That's why he needs you to circumcise your hearts today so that you can operate because we got to have faith. We got to be people of faith. If we're going to not just believe in God, but believe God. We've got to have faith. 
Where are you to believe to have faith? Your heart. What does it look like? Jesus gave a perfect example. Remember when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane? There was one point of the prayer because he, he knew he was about to be arrested and he knew what was about to take place. He was going to go be crucified, tortured, punished, and crucified for our sins. A man who never committed a sin was about to take my sin. He was about to go to the, to the death, uh, the, 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 the electric chair for me, you know? He was about to take lethal injection for me when it was me who should have been there. Same for all of us. And yet he sat there and he prayed. He said, Lord, if there's any way possible that you can take this from me, please, if there's any way I don't have to drink this cup, can you remove it from me? But then he turns around and he says, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Let your will be done. I know this is going to be difficult, but the blessing is going to be far more better than the suffering I'm going to have to go through. What did he do? He circumcised his heart. He removed, it was his flesh that was initially praying. It was his flesh. He was, he was human. He was God incarnate, but he was also human. And he was scared. And he was intimidated. He knew what was coming. And he said, look, there's any way possible. But you know what? I'm removing this excess flesh. This excess. It's not about my will. It's about your will. That's a pretty powerful place. Now, how do we make that jump from uh, literal circumcision to circumcision of the heart? I'm glad you asked that. Paul, Paul explains it. In Romans chapter 2, what was happening was uh, we've got this young church that was taking place. Man, the gospel was being spread all over the known world at that time. And you had a bunch of Gentiles. The word Gentile basically means uh, someone who was not a Jew, someone who was not circumcised, someone who was not a Jew. Now, up until now, you had this rite of circumcision that the Jews had practiced as a sign of God's covenant with them. And it was their way of saying, hey, we're circumcised. Uh, therefore, we are God's people. Several hundred years later, when Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, God gave him the law, the law of Moses. Sometimes it's called the law of God. And it was, a, it was the law that taught them spiritual rights and, and religious rights and, and practices and cleansing rights and practices, as well as taught them, uh, taught them how, uh, how to live civilly, uh, socially, uh, taught them how to eat properly, you know, the diets that were, it was, it's a pretty extensive law. And so over time, what, what became prominent amongst the Jews is they started putting far more emphasis on this law, this, this giant book of rules and the right of circumcision, far more than they were the God who made the covenant with them. And so they kind of got into this mode of, you know, hey, I'm a Jew. I'm circumcised. We got the law. God likes us. He's on our side. He's not on your side. You're a Gentile. Now, we could easily put them down, but we see it in church all the time, especially amongst the creasters. Y'all know what creasters are, right? Some of y'all got creasters in your family. You know, they go to church on Christmas and Easter. <laughs> creasters, right? And, and those are the guys that will thump the Bible and say, you know what? I can't believe they're taking the Bible out of school. This is the book right here. This is the good book that needs to be well, when's the last time you read it? Have you ever read through the Bible? Have you ever studied it? Have you really dissected it? No. 
I read those red letters. Those them's the important letters, right? Those are the important words. Um, or, or the fact that, hey, look, man, I attend, well, I don't want to attend church all the time, but I attend church, you know, hey, Christmas, Easter, and my, my membership is down at the, you know, First Church of Gobstoppers or whatever, you know. The, in, other words, in other words, we know folks that get really religious and say, well, yeah, 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 I'm a Christian, yeah, I believe in God, and yeah, sure, I mean, yeah, I occasionally attend here and there or whatever. Well, ultimately, that's kind of what these Jews were doing, like, oh, yeah, hey, I'm circumcised, we got the law, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm good with God. But look at what Paul's trying to say, because what was happening, all these Gentiles started coming to Christ. Well, these were people of different cultures. They didn't practice Jewish culture. Most of them weren't circumcised. And so now you had these Jewish believers in Christ that were like, well, wait a minute. They're not circumcised. They don't, they don't act like us. They don't talk like us. Is this right? And so Paul's trying to make this, Paul's like beating his head against the wall, trying to say, look, guys, we've been preaching faith for how long that you enter into this covenant with God via faith. It's not about these rituals. So starting with Romans chapter two, verse 25, the Jewish ceremony of circumcision has value only if you obey God's law. He said, look, y'all want to brag about this, but you have to obey the law of Moses to even make the circumcision count for anything. And most of y'all aren't even obeying the law of Moses, that's the point he's trying to make to these guys. But if you don't obey God's law, you are no better off than an uncircumcised Gentile. You ever known folks that say, hey, yeah, I'm fine. I go to church every Sunday. I'm good. Yet they live any way that they want to live. Well, going to church doesn't amount to anything if you don't put it into practice, if you don't put works with your faith, right? That's, that's what was taking place here. He says, in fact, uncircumcised Gentiles who keep God's law will condemn you Jews who are circumcised and possess God's law, but don't obey it. In other words, you ever seen some churches that were so, or some Christians who are so holier than thou and so self-righteous, yet they never lifted their finger to help anyone else? Then you can get a heathen in the world who lives any way they want, and they'll show compassion. They'll show love. They'll actually help their neighbors. They'll actually, uh, you know, help folks in need they'll actually do the work of God sometimes. And they're not even believers. In other words, they kind of put, put some of us to shame, don't they? So that's what he's trying to say. Hop down to verse 29. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. I'm sorry, let's back up to verse 28. For you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. Man, that's a huge statement for him to say. He says, a true Jew is one whose heart, here we go, heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. So what Paul is trying to say here is, look, true circumcision that we deal with now is from the heart. It is the removing of excess flesh, excess, our own desire, our own will. The Bible says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. Man, when all of a sudden you start in faith, walking in faith, which is what we've been talking about for weeks on end, when you start finally making a point to every area of your life, talk to him about it. Lord, what do you have for me to do today? How do you want me to handle this today? If, if when anytime anything comes up in your life, if you'll talk to him about it, you'll be surprised at how he'll start directing you and how you'll learn to hear from him. 
What are you doing? Well, you're starting to remove yourself out of the equation and you make him the, the key to every situation of your life. It's not a matter of how I want to deal with this. How, how do you want me to deal with it, Lord? And he'll direct your path. So in summary, that's really, that's really the last part of this uh, talk on covenant that we're going to do. Now, a lot of the things we'll talk about going forward stems off of the covenant uh, that, that he, made, he has made with us, the promises he's made with us, and faith. We just spent 12 weeks talking about faith, six weeks talking about covenant. And this is the only part that, he, that we get to play in it. His covenant with us is all about him. And he said, I just need you to do one thing. I need you to die out to yourself and just trust me. Believe in me. Remove the excess flesh from your heart. And you let that wellspring be nothing but spirit. And I promise you, I'll lead you right. So what this is all about, we all, this, everything that we've just taken weeks on in to talk about is nothing that as a Christian you don't know. We say it all the time in a simple way. Hey, you know, I've given my heart to the Lord, so I know God's going to take care of me. Yes, that's true. But there is so much to that statement. It's like saying, hey, I got car insurance. I'm good. Well, yeah, you may, but man, that insurance policy is pretty thick, and it covers a whole lot of stuff. And if you ever sit down and take the time to read it, you're like, "Woo, man, I'm really covered. Maybe I am getting a good deal, <laughs> you know? Same thing with this. And you can start realizing just how much he holds you, just how much he's taking care of you, just how much he's got your back. There's no need for anxiety. There's no need for strife. There's no need to get angry. You'll have anxious moments, but you don't have to have anxious days. You'll have angry moments. You don't have to live an angry life and become bitter. You can be free from all that stuff. Jesus said it was for, uh, he said, I came to give life and that much more abundant. Paul said it was for freedom that Christ has set you free. He that the son has set free is free indeed. Do you really feel like you are free today as a Christian, as a believer? Do you really believe, do you really feel like that you're free from anxiety, free from guilt, free from uh, your past, free from past pains? Wherever you're at, According to his covenant, if you'll just let it all go, he'll take care of you. He'll heal you. He'll heal you physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Matter of fact, that's what salvation means, the word salvation or sozo. It doesn't just mean you've punched your ticket to heaven, but it means wellness of being. So yes, he's taking care of you in the sweet by and by, but like I say, he's also taking care of you right now in the nasty now and now. Isn't that awesome to know? Amen. Hey, let's all stand up. We're going to be dismissed. Look at that. Hey, uh, in the coming weeks, and we've already got discussions, and we'll keep you all posted now that the weather is starting to break a little bit, although it's starting to be a little bit uh, uh, cooler, uh, but, but we're, we're looking at possibly starting to, to move church back to a later start date. Uh, but I don't trust the weather quite yet because, you know, we're in Texas. It always tricks us. We're like, ah. Finally, a weather change, and then it comes right back. So, so yes, Kate. Who's coming next week? Oh, yes, yes. So next week, let me plug next week. Next week, you're going to get to meet Mama Lily with, Har I always call it Harvesters. What's the entire name? Harvesters Reaching the Nation. Har there's the, the, a wonderful ministry of missionaries, Harvesters Reaching the Nation, and they're doing an incredible job over in Africa uh, with two orphanages, Correct. 
two orphanages that also provide medical facilities and schools and, and doing an incredible job showing the love of Christ right in the midst of Muslim countries and, and loving on everybody, uh, sometimes in the midst of war and conflict and everything else. And, and uh, one of the things that we do as a church, you know, we encourage tithes to come in, but as a church, we tithe of everything that comes in. We give a tenth, 5%, we give a tenth to missions, 5% to domestic missions, which is uh, our, our partner is Mission Arlington. And, and we have prayerfully chosen uh, harvesters reaching the nations, which we, we, we all call harvesters kind of for short, harvesters as our foreign missions that, that we will be supporting. Uh, Mama Lily was supposed to come back in the spring and then uh, COVID hit. And so we, we had to delay it. You're going to love this woman. She's a powerful minister of the Lord. And by powerful uh, minister of the Lord, I mean, she is, I love the way God works. God uses folks you never would have dreamt. She never would have dreamt she would be doing this. She was just a good old Christian mama living up in Wisconsin. And she's going to come share her story. And uh, I'm telling you, you're going to fall in love with her. I, we had a chance to have dinner with her. Uh, Kate and JJ worked alongside this ministry when they were doing missions work in Africa and, and got to know these folks. So we, we all had dinner several months ago. And uh, man, not only are you going to fall in love with her, but you're going to enjoy her Wisconsin accent as well. When she gets up and says, oh, you know, I was just going to a conference and cheering on the Packers and all of a sudden God called me to go do some mission work in Africa, yeah? So, uh, <laughs> uh, but you're going to love her. You're going to love her. And uh, she and, and hopefully her husband gets to be here with her. Hopefully, hopefully. But, but uh, uh, she's going she's gonna to share her story. And, and uh, you're going to get a chance to see what, uh, what our church is going to expand into for the sake of supporting missions. And we're praying that even some mission trips come out of that. So, so in, potentially in the future, uh, those, those of you who feel led, we'll all get to you know, maybe get on an airplane and head over there and get to work for a week or so and, and uh, be a blessing to them and support them. Uh, Amen. Let's pray. If, if anyone, while we pray, if anyone has any need that you want prayer for, I want to invite you down front. We'll pray for you. Uh, otherwise, we're going to be dismissed here shortly. Father, I thank you for everyone who has been here today. Lord, uh, I thank you for your word. Uh, even, even if it's in the midst of you having me preach an awkward word, <laughs> Lord, Holy Spirit, I just believe that uh, your, your word doesn't go, doesn't return void. And that uh, every heart will be ministered to today according to your word. Help us, Father, to die out to our will, but to come alive in your will and purpose for us, and that's to spread your kingdom, a kingdom of righteousness, a kingdom of love, uh, a kingdom of, of helping and, and helping to awaken others to your glory. Uh, Lord, just protect each and every one of us supernaturally uh, from this virus. Those who are struggling with it, Lord, we pray for healing in their body. Those who are traveling today, uh, Lord, just protect them, keep them safe, and bring them back to us safely here in the coming days. And uh, Father, I just, uh, I just ask uh, most of all that you just shape us and mold us into the church that you want us to be. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen.